your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. I am your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Stay tuned to hear more about Built Bar's wonderful relaunch and the brand new flavors that join their already impressive selection of great protein bars. On today's episode, originally I had planned to continue our most creative playmaker series, but there have been some changes and things that have been ongoing that I think, you know, merit a little bit of discussion. On tonight's episode, we will be covering a player pulling out of a deal from the Washington Capitals, and it's actually for pretty sad reasons. We'll also be taking a look at the NHL's official 13 best forwards list from the past season. Actually, I think it's more like 16 forwards, but uh, obviously I have a lot of concerns about this particular list and, and whether we're even looking at the same league, because certainly the list of forwards that they chose and some of the omissions as well as some of the inclusions makes me wonder who exactly wrote this list and whether or not they've been doing any sort of research into these players. But before we get into the NHL's once again flawed rankings of top forwards and always controversial lists, let's start off with some of the updates around the NHL. Up first, we had the very surprising announcement that Henrik Lundqvist will not be joining the Washington Capitals for the 2020-21 season. As it turns out, he had a medical examination over the past couple of weeks, and sadly, he seems to have a heart condition that they said would be at risk if he were to join Washington, and I think it's more than just having uh, the, the, the stress and duress of playing a game. I also think you have to be very concerned about catching COVID. We now know from personal experience over the past few months that COVID is in fact more of a vascular disease and it causes significant stress on cardiac muscles. So for Lunkovist, I think the best thing is for him to stay home. And I think, you know, at his age, it might be time to consider hanging the skates up. I don't know if he's really going to come back. Knowing Lundqvist in, in sort of the way that he's approached his career, it feels like he will try to return at some point in the near future, but I think he's also under no illusion as to where he is at this stage of his career. He's definitely not in his prime anymore. He's in his 30s, and maybe now is the best time to call it a, a wonderful career that, even though he'd never had a cup, he will still go down as one of the greatest goaltenders in NHL history. It's a shame he couldn't do it with the Rangers, and he won't get a chance to do it with Washington now, but I think for all intents and purposes he had one of the best careers a goalie can have and in my opinion he should be you know a, a hall of fame candidate at some point even though he doesn't quite have the same trophies that you'd expect from somebody of his caliber that for me has less to do with his own ability than it does his team but you know sometimes the hall of fame is kind of funny about that they'll elect players who are maybe more supported by their teams than they were by their own ability to play their position all of that said it is a little bit sad to see Lundqvist going out in this particular manner I have a feeling that this is probably the end of his career. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he does try to return, but I just feel like the scenario and the timing isn't really great because, let's be honest, if he's got a heart condition, and COVID will likely to be a, a concern over the next couple of months, if not the next year, I, I just think that the risk and everything is too high for him to really go back into hockey. He needs to stay at home, stay protected, and make sure that he gets vaccinated in time so that he can protect his heart health. That is, at the end of the day, the most important thing. 
he is not the only player who has actually decided to step away from the game temporarily. It sounds like Alexander Steen is also retiring from the St. Louis Blues. I believe he's been playing for about 15 years now, which is a very long career. I think the time for him to kind of hang it up was, was getting close because Steen has definitely dropped off over the past several years. He's not quite as good as he used to be, which I think is obvious to anyone who's seen him slow down quite a bit. He's also got a pretty big cap hit, so as far as money coming off of the books temporarily uh, in terms of cap hit relief, I think the Blues are, are pretty pleased with that. They definitely needed a little bit more space, and Steen retiring gives them a little bit more of a, a room to negotiate and deal with, I guess, any sort of roster holes. All of this kind of makes me wonder what exactly the plan with Brian Little is, because we are nearing the start of the next season over the next couple of weeks, and Brian Little is definitely not coming back to the Jets ever, I'm pretty sure. I think his career is, is basically done, and it sounds like they've been considering this for a while, so I'm not really sure why there hasn't been a finalized decision yet. Obviously, retirement for any player is a major step in their career, and something that is not to be taken lightly, but I think Brian has probably known for a while with the injury that he's had, it's it's just not going to get better, and I think the risk of him re-aggravating it and getting into more serious health complications, it's just too much. For me personally, it is pretty sad to see, you know, Brian for many years was a, a reliable, uh, maybe top six, I would say, uh, hard to say he was top line, but certainly top six center, I think would be fair. You know, he was starting to slow down over the past couple of seasons, but he's been a guy who's been a mainstay of this team and a very underappreciated player throughout most of his career, especially for his Winnipeg tenure. It is a tough way to go out, especially friendly fire that's basically sidelined you permanently, but at the very least, he's had some wonderful experiences with this team, and hopefully he looks out for himself and his best interests and decides, you know, if his future is, is better off the ice so he can protect himself. The reality of the situation is that your long-term health should always come before your career. I'm sure there are plenty of pro athletes out there who would risk it all and go for, for a title of some sort or, you know, any sort of personal accolades or even a contract, but... I think in Brian Little's case, he's got to look out for himself and make sure that he doesn't injure himself and cause further health complications down the road. We already saw in the world of football for Tottenham Hotspur, they were just talking about Jan Vertonghen, who I, th I think it was Champions League or, or Premier League last season. He was playing a match and he had a head injury and they almost allowed him to come back onto the pitch and it was clear he wasn't really with it. He had a very serious concussion, and him going back out there after the spotter said he was good to go or that he was acceptable to play may have caused months and months of complications. The rest of the season, he basically was at best 50 to 60% of his normal performance level. And of course, you have to deal with a lot of different issues like headaches, maybe vision issues. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that can come as a side effect of concussions. So I think Brian looking out for himself and making sure that he doesn't aggravate what was already a pretty serious injury should be his primary concern and I think he's done more than enough for this team and now it's time for him to look out for himself. If he does retire it does mean a couple of things. For one thing the Jets will have more cap space to try and work with and it also means that they can kind of look out for another center to fill in that role. I think Cole Perfetti is obviously the longer term choice but until that time is ready Winnipeg has Stastny to fill that void in a one season sort of picture. We'll know soon enough if Brian does indeed decide to retire Right now, he's still under contract, so I think he's still getting paid, which may be why he hasn't chosen to end it yet, but we'll see if he does. Hopefully, they can figure out something that works for both sides and everybody wins. That wraps up our current updates. In just a little bit, we'll talk about some of the NHL's more controversial top forward rankings over the past season and figure out 
which guys they maybe should have put on there, which they admitted, and which they should not have put on, period. Before then, though, I did want to tell you a little bit more about today's title sponsors at Built Bar. For those of you who have stuck through my Jets rantings over the past year or so, it's actually my first anniversary pretty recently, you probably know that I am, in fact, a big fan of Built Bars. If you've never had a Built Bar, it's a protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. Of their 12 original flavors, I highly recommend raspberry and mint brownie, but if you can't choose, be sure to check out their variety box so you get a good sampling to find the flavor that fits you. Like any great company though, Built isn't content to rest on its laurels and is back and better than ever with a brand new formula in six new mouth-watering flavors including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. As good as those flavors may sound, they're even better for you. With most bars clocking in at around 200 calories or less, between 15 to 18 grams of protein and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so they're great for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. Getting started with Built Bar is super easy. Just log on to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, don't forget, when checking out, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are discussing a couple of different things. We updated stuff from around the league, including some early retirements or absences from NHL teams in the upcoming season. And now we have another discussion topic. We're going to be taking a look at the NHL's Super 16 list of top 16 forwards in last season. The list from top to bottom is Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, Sidney Crosby, Leon Dreisaitl, Nikita Kucherov, Alexander Ovechkin, David Pasternak, Artemi Panarin, Patrick Kane, Austin Matthews, Patrice Bergeron, Jack Eichel, Braden Point, Evgeny Malkin, Brad Marchand, and Elias Petrosian. So obviously, uh, the social media storm about this particular tweet, which it's not really a storm, it's just everyone sort of laughing at the list, has triggered some discussion about what this list might be missing or what needs to be updated. I'm not really going to discuss the ordering of the rankings because I feel like, to some degree, it just doesn't really matter. There are you know, plenty of players that I would suggest are first overall, but I'd rather focus on the guys who aren't here that, for me, are, are really huge absences and maybe some of the players that don't deserve to be on this list. I think, for one thing, Alexander Ovechkin and Patrick Kane really shouldn't be included in this top 16. I just don't think that at this stage of their careers, they're having the same level of impact that they used to. No doubt Ovechkin is still one of the most dangerous goal scorers in the league, and so is Kane. But in terms of being in the top 16 of play driving, full impact forwards, they're just not really there for me. I'm also kind of concerned that they have like Connor McDavid as the first overall player, which is kind of funny. You know, I won't talk about full rankings, but I will say that as a first overall player, I really think that you need to have a more significant ability to drive play at both ends of the ice. And this is just not something that McDavid focuses on as much. He's definitely an offense first kind of player, which is totally fine. He can be a phenomenal attacker. He has all of the tools of of the world's best player. But of course, the defensive impact throughout the past couple of seasons has seen a bit of a decline. If I had to choose like a best player in the league in terms of forwards, I might look at somebody like McKinney or Braden Point. Braden Point probably takes the cake a little bit there just because he's so dominant in both ends of the ice. But as far as omissions go, I'm really shocked that there's no Mark Stone. Stone is literally one of the top players in the entire league, regardless of position, and the fact that he's not on this list is absolutely insane. Stone is arguably Vegas's best player. I mean, he's such a fantastic creator on and off the puck. He understands where his positioning needs to be at all times. He's got incredible vision. He's got an insane shot. I mean, he's just a really complete, well-rounded player who possesses all of the tools to break down opposing forwards like it's nothing. I mean, the dude just has a relentless work ethic and an incredible skill set to 
pair with such play-driving ability that most of these players don't really have. He could easily replace anyone on this list in, in names like Patrick Kane or, or even Alexander Ovechkin, possibly a guy like, I, I don't know, maybe Brad Marchand he might be over, that or Bergeron. I mean, there's a couple of guys that he should deserve a spot over, but, you know, it is what it is with this list. It's just kind of wild that, you know, Stone is not really on this list, and I'm also kind of I'm surprised a little bit that Elias Pettersson is last on this list of top 16 forwards. I think that there are a couple of guys who are super low on this list. Braden Point is very low. Pettersson is super low. Pettersson is probably Vancouver's most important overall skater. And the fact that he has such a positive influence in both defensive work and in offense, as well as his own personal goal-scoring contributions, is, is really a thing that I think gets overlooked. I think he's probably one of the more underappreciated centers, despite being one of the most well-known players in all of Canadian hockey, but I don't think his reputation says enough about just how quality of a two-way forward he is. I'm also kind of surprised that a guy like maybe Nikolai Ehlers doesn't get more of a look on this list because of some of the wingers that are on here. I, I think Ehlers is better in overall impact than some of those players. He's certainly Winnipeg's best overall attacking forward and somebody that I think doesn't get enough credit for how good he is in transition and creating offense. Ehlers may not have some of the counting stats of some of these other forwards, but he's still one of the best in the league and certainly one of the top play-driving all-around skaters in the entire league. Nick more or less does it all, whether he has to defensively backtrack or carry the puck in transition up the ice to create offensive counters. He's incredibly crafty and creative in the offensive zone. I mean, there's just so many different tool sets and skills that Nikolai Ehlers possesses, and I'm surprised that he didn't really get too much of a look here, especially when you look at some of the players on this list that, frankly, haven't had the kind of season that I feel would justify being considered in the Super 16 for 2020 or 2021. This list is looking ahead towards next season based on the past couple of years, and I'm just surprised that, for me, some of these older players are being placed ahead of younger talents that I think are going to have a more significant impact on the game. You know, you think about Washington, and I would say that a guy like Jakob Vrana is probably more primed to have a, a major role than Alexander Ovechkin. Ovechkin will certainly score more goals, but when it comes to overall impact and even strength scoring rates, Vrana is one of those guys who just seems to have a magic touch, even though he does actually score at a pretty astounding rate for a guy who doesn't really get much ice time in terms of power play time or until recently even strength time he produces at such a high clip and he has a dominant defensive impact because he just doesn't give the puck up he's the kind of forward that I think would qualify for a spot on this list and yet we see guys like Patrick Kane and, and Ovechkin instead guys who are probably past their primes not necessarily controlling play at the level that you would expect for somebody being looked to as a top 16 forward next year. This list has a lot of common names that you would expect. I mean, it's it's not shocking that Matthews and Eichel and Point and Malkin, Petherson, uh, Drysaddle even, you know, these guys are, are certainly good picks and most of them I would, I would heartily agree with. But some of the older players, I do have to wonder if they're really going to be that good next season. You know, Bergeron is, is definitely not getting younger. And even though he is still very productive, he and Marchand are probably still not better than Mark Stone. I'm sure that this list is very subjective, and obviously somebody thought a lot about the impacts that these guys bring. At least they got Artemi Panarin. Panarin is likely to have that sort of impact for the Rangers, but the rankings and omissions are a little bit funny on this one, can't lie. If you want fantastic hockey opinions, which you are listening to the Raw Podcast for, then be sure to check out later this week a couple more episodes where we'll be continuing our most creative playmaker series. I'm sure some of the names on this top 16 list will be in a conversation or two, but in just a little bit, I did want to touch on one more slightly sensitive topic that came up over the past couple of days and something that I think Winnipeg is, is a little bit uncomfortable with. 
Welcome back to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast. We've covered some of the NHL updates around the league, and we've also talked about the NHL's official top 16 heading into 2021 list for forwards. There was one smaller story that seemed to surface in Winnipeg local media, though, that I felt was really important to talk about because it deals with somebody who actually works with the Jets right now, and I think the way that the article was structured was kind of burying the lead as far as the Jets are concerned perhaps to, to draw less attention to it. And I think the, the way that the article was framed maybe kept it so that there wouldn't be a whole lot of dispute or discussion in terms of Jets-related stuff. But it, it circles back to the whole bullying scandal that I talked about earlier with the CHL, where a lot of players were uh, alleging some really horrendous acts committed against them by senior players and by members of the staff who understood that things were going on, but didn't really step in to intervene, or in some cases, seem to even encourage it in a way. One of the players specifically named Craig Heisinger, who I believe is an assistant GM for the Jets, as having been somebody who likely had knowledge of the bullying ongoing during the, the Moose Jaw Warriors days, but didn't really step in to intercede or do anything. From what I understand, it sounds like Heisinger had some say over what happened in the locker room, and if that was allowed to be a regular occurrence under his rule, then you'd have to really start to question whether or not Heisinger should still be working for the Jets. I'm very concerned that this behavior wasn't really addressed, and if Winnipeg knew about it and, and kind of swept it under the rug, then it does concern me a bit. My guess to some degree is that this probably caught the Jets off guard a bit more than they knew about it. I think that this would be the sort of issue that, you know... I wouldn't be surprised if, if guys knew about it to a certain degree, but maybe not to the level that was being addressed in this particular suit. Either way, the report is very disturbing, and the Jets and Heisinger himself have all declined to make comments on it, which is not surprising. From what I know about the Jets, they don't tend to go very public with statements about this sort of stuff, and I have a feeling that there would be an internal investigation on the back end to try and determine the veracity of these reports and whatnot, or maybe they just kind of try and sweep it under the rug and pretend it's not really an issue. This kind of stuff, though, doesn't really stay hidden for long, and so if it is in fact something that resurfaces in an upcoming suit, the Jets are going to have to figure out a way to deal with this and ultimately be held accountable for anything that they did know about Heisinger's involvement in any of the situations that occurred several years ago. Obviously, what happened was many decades in the past, but a lot of the people in this industry seem to have quite a bit of knowledge about what goes on behind the scenes. So I'm, I'm a little bit concerned and I'm obviously very worried about the number of victims these incidents have seemingly left behind and, and whether or not we can really get them any sort of justice. It's, it's the sort of thing where it's very hard to prove and it happened so long ago that a situation like this and a case like this it can be hard to get the necessary evidence to make a ruling either way. I'd imagine they were filed as civil suits too, so, you know, who knows what the judge is going to rule on a situation like this, but I think that Heisinger has been implicated in this particular situation worries me a lot, and the cone of silence around the Jets doesn't really bode well for the whole situation, but, you know, they, they might not want to say a whole lot yet until they know for sure what exactly occurred and whether or not Heisinger has any sort of real involvement in the situation. But for now, we're just going to have to sit tight and wait for additional details. If any additional revelations or analysis come out regarding the situation, I'll be sure to share it on the upcoming episodes of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. But for now, that's going to do it for tonight's episode. Before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked on National podcast hosted by Locked on Kings host Sarah Avampado so you never miss out on all of the top stories around the league. And make sure you tune in every Monday so you get the freshest content heading into the week. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.